Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Hey gang, welcome back to Out of Bounds. I'm Phil. I'm joined with my usual partner, Kyle, but we also have a celebrity in here. But Kyle, what's going on? Hey, how we doing, buddy? I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, another special episode coming out on here. Oh yeah, this one's real special. We've got my boss, one of my favorite guys on the planet, Alex Prop stars, prop daddy, the man, the myth. What's going on, Alex? Phil, what's up, man? I really appreciate the intro. Kyle, good to be with you. Great to meet you. It's uh, been a little bit of a treat listening to you guys talk before we jumped on air. I feel like I'm back in my hometown hearing you guys with a Northeast Philadelphia accent just feels so good. So, yeah, I'm super pumped, guys. Yeah, Alex, you're a you're a, like a Philadelphia area transplant out there in Oregon, right? I am Phil. Yeah, originally from, born and raised in Bucks County. Spent my formative years in a little town called New Hope, Pennsylvania, right on the New Jersey border. Um, yeah, so I grew up a die-hard four-sport Philadelphia fan. Moved out to the West Coast in my early twenties, and yeah, awesome. Well, we are just thrilled to have you tonight, man. This is awesome. It's great to have you on the show, and we're going to talk stuff right in your wheelhouse we're going fantasy and then we're going to hit a few props because i know we got some gambling minds in here it is called absolute sports betting degeneracy so kyle lead us off what do you want to talk about first like first round second round what what, what what's going on in your mind yeah i mean I, I think the the most difficult issue that a lot of fantasy guys kind of run into is that first five picks um i i know if if you're kind of in, in the later first round it's a little easier you know a running back that you you know you know is going to fall to you is going to fall or a you know a wide receiver is going to be there you know you can you can grab jefferson you can grab chase you know things like that but you know this first five picks you know realistically you want to grab a you know in traditional league ppr things like that you want to grab one of these dynamic three round three down running backs and everybody has issues with that because 
injuries and teams change and offensive lines get better or get worse, you know, quarterbacks leave, things like that. And, you know, I think that's where most people have issues. So, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited to, to find out what, what prop has here is his top five players off the board. Yeah. So that, I think that's a great question, Kyle. I have actually kind of somewhat of a contrarian, uh, unconventional philosophy when it comes to fantasy, especially when I'm attacking in the early rounds. I think um, this this year, this year's class in particular is a great microcosm for sort of a thing that I've seen kind of developing over the course of the years that, you know, traditionally speaking or historically speaking, running backs obviously are going to primarily be the top five players taken off the board and you're seeing somewhat of a shift a paradigm shift in fantasy where i just think if you're especially if you're playing in a 0.5 or a full point ppr it's just so much safer in my opinion to go wide receiver Mm. early even in those top five picks on my top 200 big board i actually have justin jefferson rated first overall honestly the only running back i'm truly comfortable taking in the top five or at least the top three is jonathan taylor i think guys like c-mac austin eckler obviously they're elite fantasy producers but i just don't have that same level of confidence in their durability and them giving me 16 to 17 games that i do compare to a guy like cooper cup or to justin jefferson in particular i just think the sit i want safety out of my first round pick i want to feel like i can rely and depend on that player giving me a minimum of 15 or 16 games. And especially if you're drafting early, because there's going to be, you know, 20, 25 picks that elapse until you get your next, you know, pool of players. So for me, my focus and my number one priority is safety and Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson just offer a lot more of that to me than, you know, taking a guy like Austin Eckler, taking a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who have not been able to stay on the field. I just don't think they're built physically to take on a workload, you know, and and we're just seeing offensive kind of shift away from having a true three down workhorse. It's just, you want to preserve these guys. You want to keep them fresh. It just doesn't make sense to give guys with a 210 pound frame, you know, 25 touches a game. I just don't think that's a sustainable um, sort of recipe for long-term success in the NFL. We're just shifting more towards a passing league. So yeah, my big board actually has Justin Jefferson first. I do love Jonathan Taylor because he is one of those rare exceptions where he's never had a major injury in the NFL, still young enough, uh, obviously on an offense, has a terrific, fantastic line in front of him. He sort of checks every box for me. But yeah, as far as the three safest picks and the guys that I look at for the top three in particular, it's Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Jonathan Taylor. Man, I love it. I love I, it. I love that because, you know, Eckler's a little dude. McCaffrey's a little guy. And you're right. Jefferson's the main bitch. He's, he's the main guy. He's the main horse. So I I love that take. Um, I had a question. I, I don't know if if I can pop in here. Are there any quarterbacks that you would take in the first round? With with Josh Allen comes to mind just because he, he adds quite a bit on the ground. Um, so is, is he a viable late round or late first round pick? So I, I do get, uh, I do see there is some value in taking, if, if you know for certainty, or at least, you know, the most likely range of outcomes is going to be this quarterback. And Josh Allen seems like a likely candidate to fit the sort of mold where he's 
pretty much destined barring injury quarterbacks obviously you know they, they don't you know obviously kind of take on the same sort of contact as other positions so they do stay healthier than a running back in particular but uh if, if you know for certain that he's going to finish top two or three in the position or at, compared to his peers then i think you know there, there is a little bit of value in taking quarterback but i personally hold off on quarterback especially if we're in a league where you're only starting one quarterback there's just not a big disparity between the top quarterbacks on a per game basis the guys who are going in the top five and then the guys who are slotted between like uh, ranges five through 12 you're just not going to see a big jump there and when you're looking at you know a josh allen who's going in the top three rounds um or you know uh, a lamar jackson or guys who get drafted high you can wait five six rounds get a guy like trey lance or a guy like kyler murray five six rounds later who really don't have a big statistical uh drop off there so for me what i what i typically do is i wait on quarterback i'm typically not drafting a quarterback until after round five round six that being said i do think there is some merit in being flexible you know obviously if i'm in round five and josh allen falls to me i'm not going to pass on him i'm not trying to be you know super um stubborn i think being flexible is very important when you're drafting being able to pivot being able to kind of adapt to what's happening around you but yeah i, I just think with quarterback if it's a one quarterback league or you're only able to start one quarterback and you're only with 10, 12, 14 team leagues. There's just not a large disparity between the top guys and the guys who are in that five to 12 range. So typically I'm, I find myself most of the time just sort of drafting a quarterback in the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th round. Trey Lance is a guy I have a lot of shares of this year. I think he has some just mouthwatering upside, um, with his sort of skill set, obviously a dual threat. I, I just think uh, Derek Carr set mm-hmm. for a prime season in Las Vegas. You can get him as late as the 12th round. I love Kirk Cousins this year. Um, I think Minnesota's offense is primed to explode, bringing in an offensive coordinator, much more offensive centric. We saw Mike Zimmer, uh, previously their head coach. All he does is just run on first and second down, throw on third down, really handicap that offense, handicap Kirk Cousins. I think we're going to be a, see a big offensive shift there. So, yeah, I really like Kirk Cousins. I just really think there's a lot of value in these later round quarterbacks. So, yeah, I don't have many shares of the top guys, Phil. Yeah, hey, that that's a question coming from a guy that sucks at fantasy drafting. That's why I have Kyle do it normally. So that, yeah, I'd say I, I appreciate the help for sure. Well, I mean, to, to go along with you know what what your 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 whole consensus here is is that a guy like Josh Allen is his average draft position is seventeen. So if you want a guy like Kirk Cousins, who you just mentioned, who you're you're a little bit high on, one oh seven. So, I mean, you know, kind of. Where you're where you're thinking here is instead of taking a guy like you know Jalen Hurts or a guy like Joe Burrow, who might get you some more points throughout the year, you know the the disparity between the quarterbacks is not going to be nearly the disparity that you're going to get by taking a wide receiver in the third round and taking a wide receiver in the you know twelfth round, and I think that's you know kind of where you're heading there. It, it is it is Kyle. I couldn't agree more, and especially if, to order to justify. Um, a guy, Josh Allen, going 17th overall. For that pick to be a successful pick where you're getting a return on, on your investment and he's sort of outperforming his ADP, he needs to be far and away the best quarterback from a productivity standpoint. He needs to outproduce you know, his peers 
by a large margin for that pick to be a value pick. And like you touched on, Kyle, when we're looking at running backs who are going around there compared to the guys who are going in the later rounds, there is just such a significant statistical drop off there that it's just uh, too much to overcome, in my opinion. And I, you know, I do mocks where I do take quarterbacks early, just so I kind of have an idea for those team constructs, what they're going to look like. And I just always find myself uh, just not having the depth that I'm comfortable with, uh, just due to the volatility of fantasy football, how many injuries you're going to experience over the course of the year. And just, yeah, your roster is going to look drastically different from beginning to end. And just over the course of a, you know, 13 game regular season for a fantasy, you know, you're going to have three or four starters inevitably go down. So I'm just so much more comfortable loading up on wide receiver running back and then just taking a quarterback late when, like you said, there's just not going to be a big drop off in statistical output. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. I think you're dead on. And I don't think that goes too far off with the, with the tight end model either. Um, there's a couple guys I think that are worthy of those first couple rounds just because they get the same amount of looks as wide receivers. Um, but once you, you know, once you're out of that top four, maybe top five guys, everybody else, you know, you should be looking 13th round or so. No, I, I completely agree there. I, I, I'm with you 100% on that. I think there are three or four tight ends that are worth reaching for because those guys, like you mentioned, they'll give you wide receiver production out of that tight end slot. And when you're looking at that tight end slot, you're going to see a heavy correlation between the top tight ends and honestly fantasy championship teams like Travis Kelsey I think over the past three or four years has been like the number one player if you're looking just at all like championship rosters aggregated he appears more than any other player because if you're able to have a big advantage in that slot because of the drop-off between Travis Kelsey and you know the guys beneath him um, is so significant that it really pays to invest in tight end that being said like you said I think you made a great point there's only three or four guys that are worth sort of investing a lot of draft capital. I want to tell you guys this. I think you'll appreciate this because he's a local guy. I am driving the Kyle Pitts bandwagon this year, fellas. To me, he is one. I think he's going to have a historical season. I could see him breaking a lot of records this year. Local Philly guy as well. Bucks County, shout out Kyle Pitts, 21 years old. He had a thousand receiving yards last year. That was the most receiving yards by a rookie tight end ever besides the great Hall of Famer, Mike Ditka. I don't think enough people are wow. talking about. Yeah, right. I know. Well, Kyle I know. Pitts did, as a 20 year old rookie in the NFL on a fledgling uh, a Falcons team that was obviously dismal. And this guy was just absolutely outstanding. He only scored one touchdown. So I think that kind of suppress the hype for a little bit but touchdowns are fluky like they come and they go in waves and tight ends more so than any other offensive skill position take the longest time for guys to sort of adapt understanding the nuance of the blocking responsibilities just getting on the field you just rarely see tight ends come in from day one that are super productive they almost always take a couple of years before they start um, really producing at an elite level for Kyle Pitts to come in at 20 years old, have the season that he had just mind blowing to me. I really think this year he is going, I think his floor is honestly 75 to 80 catches, 11 to 1200 yards. Wouldn't surprise me if he absolutely just shatters those numbers. Uh, I think Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter, the rookie quarterback, the Falcons drafted both look 
really good. Uh, Pitts is going to be the focal point of a passing offense. The defense is bad as well, which is just going to create a lot of pass-heavy game scripts, which obviously for fantasy is what you're looking for. Um, so they also drafted a rookie wide receiver in the first round, Drake London, which is going to take a little pressure off of Pitts. I love that selection for him. So for me, Kyle Pitts checks every single box. That is my one – I wanted to tell you guys my one – kind of the focus of my fantasy season this year has been draft Kyle Pitts. I go into every single draft prioritizing getting Kyle Pitts. Now, that being said, there are going to be scenarios – where unfortunately I'm not going to reach to the point where, you know, I'm taking him in the first round just because I don't think, you know, that's sort of the, the value that I'm looking for, but I am going to reach on him to make sure I get him. If I'm in an auction, I am willing to outspend other people for him in the, in the, in the leagues that I've missed on Kyle Pitts. So I did want to bring up this name. The one guy that I do sort of target after Pitts is actually Dalton Schultz. I actually really oh. like what I saw out of him last year for Dallas that's safety blanket uh no more Amari Cooper as we know Michael Gallup is banged up to start the year it's only really CeeDee Lamb in that offense um and Dalton Schultz and Dalton Schultz quietly had a top five year last year was really good I believe he scored eight or nine touchdowns as well really sort of uh yeah had a really breakout season so I like Dalton Schultz pretty much every team I have that I've drafted so far, I'm close to a dozen at this point. Wow. Victor Dalton Schultz. And then if I, if, you know, again, I'm not going to reach on those guys. And then if, for whatever reason, if I can't get those guys, I, I do agree 100%. It's been a long rant, Kyle. But I do then go kind of after the guys who are going really late, like in the David Njoku, Mike Gusecki sort of guys that, you know, are being drafted after the 10th round that do possess a lot of upside. And, uh, yeah, I just think you either land one of these top five tight ends or then it just pays to just wait pretty much till at least double-digit rounds to look at tight end. Awesome. Yeah, 100%. And and Dalton Schultz was actually number five last year in fantasy production. So you, you were right there. He's he's a top five guy. Um, I, I love the the Kyle Pitts thing. And, and to, you know, extend on that a little bit, anytime it, it's one of the reasons that Mark Andrews was so good last year. Anytime you have a movement – running quarterback that doesn't have great deep accuracy they love their tight ends they love their tight ends either you have a savvy veteran like tom brady or you have you know one of these younger guys who can move a little bit and you have these you know uber athletic tight ends who can kind of roll with the pocket with them and you just get all those short to medium passes so i i you know i, I think it's dead on I, I love both of those guys yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, especially when you have, like you said, inexperienced young mobile quarterbacks. They tend to lock on to their first read, and their yeah. first read is going to be their tight end. That's their safety blanket. That's who they're comfortable throwing to, and that they're going to be open in short and intermediate routes over the middle of the field. That's the hardest area to cover, and that's what the defense is willing to give as well. So, yeah, it's just sort of a recipe for a lot of production. So, yeah, I agree. That's why Mark Andrews had just an absolutely phenomenal year. Uh, I expect the same out of Kyle Pitts, whether it's Marcus Mariota or Dennis. Desmond Ritter at quarterback. It doesn't matter to me. I just think the talent is just so high with this guy. I honestly believe he is the best athlete I have ever seen at the tight end position in the NFL history. That's it feels like an over on his catches for the for the uh, season prop here, 68 and a half, I'm saying. Phil, it, it absolutely, feels like you talked me through it. <laughs> it absolutely isn't over for me. Uh, I think you know this, Phil. I, I love the season-long player prop market. It's one of my favorite markets to attack. Um, I put out 
probably close to 30 or 40 props over the course of the season as far as season long player totals are concerned. And if you look at my betting history, 90 to 95 percent of those are all going to be unders. I can kind of touch on why that is, why that's such a skewed ratio. Kyle Pitts is one of the only overs that I am sort of making a position in one of my largest positions as far as season long player totals are concerned. So absolutely love over on Kyle Pitts touchdowns, four and a half. I love his receptions even more 68 and a half. I believe his yards, you can find it between nine twenty five ish over, over, over. I'm, I'm going to bet it right now. I don't want to, I don't want this. <laughs> line when I post it. Yeah. Don't, don't let it move, baby. Don't let it move. So, awesome. So who else do you target late? Like what are some deep sleepers that, that you have your eye on? So one of the strategies that I've been finding myself uh, kind of most likely or most often deploying this year is I'm taking what's called like a zero RB approach. Uh, Essentially what that means is just waiting on running back, not really looking at running back until after the fifth round. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm typically doing or what kind of the most common constructs you'll see my team sort of have is I'm figuring out how to get, or I'm ideally trying to get one of Justin Jefferson or Cooper cup. Um, if it's an auction league, I prioritize that. Obviously if it's a snake league, you need to have a top five pick. If not, I'm just loading up on elite wide receivers early. Also prioritizing tight end. Like I just mentioned, making sure I get an elite tight end. And then I'm looking at running back after round five, six, seven, eight, nine. Cause I just think there's so much value in a lot of these guys who are kind of s- slotted in the five to nine round range because of the fact so many offenses deploy a committee approach outside of like five guys. There's only really, uh, yeah, like five guys who are true three down workhorse backs. Everybody's in a committee in the NFL. I think this year more than ever, you have just so many guys, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Mm. Devin Singletary, Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt, uh, guys who are going after round five, six, seven, who are in committees who are one injury away from being league winners. And even with their 1A or 1B still healthy, these guys can still produce as top 24 running backs just because of the nature of the position, because of how many committees are there that exist. So yeah, as far as sleepers are concerned at the running back position, love Ramondre Stevenson, love Melvin Gordon. Uh, I, I love Michael Carter Jr. As far as the Jets are concerned, I wouldn't surprise me if he's in an even split with Brees Hall. You can get him almost 10 rounds later than Brees Hall. And most drafts as well. Chase Edmonds, I think, is primed for a big season in Miami. Really versatile skill set as well. I think he will end up getting a lot of those high leverage touches. Kareem Hunt, I actually think, is one of the best values that there is this season at the running back position. You can find him. I find him between round seven and eight, which makes no sense to me. Last year, he was being drafted in the late fourth to early fifth round. I don't see any difference as far as sort of projecting his production this year. Nick Chubb is still the running back there. Kareem Hunt's going to be on the field a ton. They're able to deploy him as a wide receiver or out of the backfield with Chubb on the field. The guy from a per game standpoint is an elite producer. He's also one Nick Chubb away from being a league winning player you can play him with Nick Chubb on the field because he's still ultra productive and he's been a hot name in trade rumors for our Eagles in particular I've seen linked to him so if that happens suddenly you have a league winner on your hands and the fact that you only need to 
invest the seventh or eighth round pick on him just makes no sense to me. So, yeah, he's a guy I absolutely love. As far as uh, sleepers at the wide receiver position, Isaiah McKenzie is a guy that I absolutely love this year. Bills slot receiver. We saw flashes last year. He had a start late in the season. Phil, I don't know if you remember, this was a bet that we made in our Slack group where we took his over at 30 yards. He ended up with 150 yards at <laughs> yeah, halftime. That was uh, an easy guy, one. It was an easy one. Yeah, we love that one. I just think he's going we, – we just see Josh Allen loves his slot receivers. It's been historically Cole Beasley there. He is taking over that role. Way more dynamic, way more explosive athlete. Uh, has looked just phenomenal in training camp and preseason. Uh, so I love Isaiah McKenzie. I find him in auction leagues for a dollar. Wow. Sometimes he goes undrafted if it's not a super sharp draft. Uh, so, yeah, you could definitely get him in the double digits. Absolutely love him. He's one of the guys I have more shares of than anyone. I like Josh Palmer a lot, third wide receiver uh, for the Chargers. Uh, I just think he's a Keenan Allen or Mike Williams injury away for potentially giving you league-winning production. Flashed a ton last year as a rookie fourth-round pick. So he's sort of coming into his own. And I think that offense, Justin Herbert, can. Um, basically they can have three wide receivers be weekly starters. So wouldn't surprise me at all if he's like a high end flex option this season. So really like Josh Palmer, um, other wide receivers that I love. I love Rashad Bateman, not necessarily a deep sleeper, but that's a guy that's being drafted in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Uh, he's going to be the one a or one B to Mark Andrews in that, uh, Baltimore offense. We saw flashes last year. They obviously invested a lot of draft capital in him. And then Marquise Brown being traded to Arizona has opened up, I think, 140 targets in that offense. And we saw Andrews with a huge target share. So there is massive opportunity. He's super young, very talented. I think he is a tremendous value in that seventh, eighth round range. I actually have a piece of Rashad Bateman uh, not by design necessarily, but on every single fantasy team I have this season, I've ended up with Rashad Bateman. You might have to get a jersey. Uh, I, I think it's deserving. I mean, he's going to win me a lot of leagues, I'm hoping. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely need to support him anyway, Ken. So, yeah, I, I think that's good. Another guy um, I, I, I didn't hear you mention, uh, but Alexander Madison. It's a it's another guy who's kind of, uh, you know, he's I don't think he's as, quite as talented as Kareem Hunt but he's another guy who is subject to these trade rumors and every chance he's gotten in, you know, in Minnesota has been phenomenal behind Dalvin cook. He's a big running back. He can certainly move between the tackles. He can catch balls out of the backfield. And if this guy goes to a team, which I know Eagles are linked to him as well. Um, he's not going to cost another team nearly as much as what Kareem Hunt's going to. I mean, this guy might cost you a fifth rounder or whatever, uh, maybe even a six and a seventh. And I mean, this guy could come in and, you know, if anything were to happen to, you know, just taking the Eagles, for instance, you know, if anything were to happen to Miles Sanders, I mean, this is, this is probably a three down back here for, you know, the top rushing team and a team that absolutely adores their running backs and, and utilizing screens and utilizing wheel routes and all that, uh, that type of stuff. And in Sirianni's offense and, and, you know, this guy could be another one of those league winners that, that you kind of fall into. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I love what I've seen out of, out of Alexander Madison. You know, Dalvin Cook's had some durability issues through his career. When Madison's come in, he doesn't miss a beat. Another point I think is worth making, what's interesting uh, from a kind of an offensive standpoint with Minnesota, I actually find that when Cook is off the field, the offense seems to 
run better without him. And you see this a lot of the times when you have sort of workhorse three down backs who offenses tend to rely on too much. Their play calling kind of gets a little vanilla and they just kind of run the ball a lot in first down. I think Dallas is another example of this with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Uh, when, when Elliott's off the field, obviously he's a great talent. Same with Dalvin Cook. The offense just seems to be more balanced. You don't have to give your running back X amount of carries because, you know, he's going to be upset after the game if he doesn't get his 20 to 25 touches. So, yeah, I think Alexander Madison has a three-down skill set. Excellent pass catcher out of the backfield. Minnesota's offense, to me, looked just as good, if not better, when Dalvin Cook was off the field. I think he would be an excellent target. As you mentioned, won't require the same sort of draft capital or investment if a team is interested in trading for him. If I'm Minnesota, I am only taking just an overwhelming offer for him just because of the fact Alvin Cook has a lot of tread on those tires. The, the nature of the running back position is just so violent. It's so hard to count on a guy to play, especially if you have postseason aspirations and you're going to play, you know, late into January, you need to rest and keep your starters, especially at that position as fresh as possible. So if I'm Minnesota, I was shocked to hear that they're entertaining offers of trading Madison. To me, he's as valuable as any backup um, there is at running back. So, yeah, I think he's a great guy to target later as well. Love him as a sleeper. Yeah, I, I'm I'm real big in taking him kind of later in the drafts, um, kind of going off of, you know, your whole your whole draft prospect here. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty close to you. Uh, one little caveat that I like to do is, um, you know, in that first round, I like to take, you know, if I'm in position, obviously, I like to take one of those, you know, bell cow three down backs you know a derrick henry you know a Najee harris one of those type of guys who you know usually you don't worry about i know you know king henry got hurt last year but one of those guys who you just really aren't too worried about getting hurt um you know they're not one of the smaller guys in there but you know there's guys who i know are going to produce every single week i know they're going to be the bell cow back i know they're not going to get you know uh you know chirped at the at the goal line i'm not going to get any stolen touchdowns from you know some some you know big running back coming in or some bruiser i know that you know i'm not going to lose out on those types of things i'll maybe lose a couple pass catches out of the backfield but i'm okay with giving that up for one of those guys and then i don't touch running back again until after that round five or six unless somebody obviously falls you know ridiculously low but but that's that's my only caveat really difference wise um last year one of my legs i didn't i didn't draft a quarterback until round 15. I mean, I, I think you can get and, you know, and, and I got Matt Stafford. I mean, you know, guys, guys fall in this league uh, at the quarterback position where you don't have to draft that high. Um, I mean, if you're in the fourth round and Josh Allen's sitting there, then, uh, you know, by all means, I understand taking him there. Uh, but realistically, it's just about, you know, buying as 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 lowly as you can on these guys and saving some of those other positions so you know that that's that's my only caveat here i think that we have really difference wise is that my first pick i try and grab one of those you know star running backs and then i don't touch them again i i think you're dead on with that and just to touch on your point kyle i don't think there's anything wrong either with going with a running back especially if you're taking a guy that you feel like i mean when we're looking at the top 10 top 15 players you're you know kind of uh it, it's so hard you're grasping at straws trying to find any weaknesses with these guys they're all elite prospects all have their own 
sort of merits. And they're going to be elite fantasy producers at the very least on a per game basis. You obviously hope that they stay healthy, but those guys for a reason are being, you know, swatted there. So you're going to get elite production. And yeah, for me, just, I just try to sort of emphasize safety is what I want. Cause again, you can't go really wrong in the first round. I even see the value in taking a C-Mac, even though I'm personally not from the standpoint of at a per game basis, this guy has been as good as any running back in NFL history, you know, as far as fantasy is concerned. And, you know, if, if you're able to draft, well and you have confidence in sort of your ability to draft in those later rounds potentially find sleepers potentially find guys who could be contributors then you could take a home run swing on a guy that may not play 16 or 17 games but if you know if he's going to be healthy for that stretch run he's going to give you elite production so you know i just want to preface or kind of emphasize that i think there is value in basically any approach or pretty much any player, whether you're going running back, whether you're going safe running back, or you're even taking a home run swing at a Christian McCaffrey. I just would caution to me, if you're taking a McCaffrey and you're somewhat of an inexperienced fantasy player where you're not necessarily, you know, have um, sort of a strategy where you kind of know that you can find that value in later rounds, um, then I would caution against that. Then, then to me, it would make more sense to take a guy that's just going to be safer. But yeah, I, I feel like, you know, someone that uh, has the ability to find late round gems, taking C-Mac is also, you know, uh, worth a shot for sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I did in my draft. I took him second overall this year because I knew that down the line, I felt comfortable with that, but it's important for, a lot of people to know. I know Phil was gesturing to himself, you know, as an you know inexperienced fantasy drafter. You know, for a lot of people who are either new to this or only a couple years in, or they're you know venturing out into kind of bigger money leagues because there's some big money leagues out there. I mean, you know, you can go. You know, I play in a fifty dollar family league every year, but you know, then I go to a four hundred dollar league over here, and I go to you know a five hundred dollar. You know what I mean? There's a lot of big money in this, and you know what these these newer players have to understand is that there's no true and honest way and one way to draft a fantasy football team it's all about value it's all about feeling comfortable with your draft picks and if you know that you're not you know one of these guys who understands all of these lower end running backs or lower end wide receivers take the take the guys at the top take take the next best available you know what I mean? Do whatever's going to put you in the best position to win. If you know you're not going to be able to hawk that waiver wire every single week because you're too busy or you're, you know, whatever it is, then take guys who are going to be, you know, mediocre throughout the whole year and just give you those honest points. And I think that's a really big thing. I, I know Phil's itching to get something in here. I, I just want to say that I will never take Christian McCaffrey again. I, <laughs> I, I took him first overall last year and the year prior. Oh, never again. I'm, do, I'm done with C-Mac. Yeah, yeah. I said the same draft. thing. Yeah, I said the same thing eight minutes before my draft, and then Jonathan. <laughs> and then when he's staring at you at the face, and, and you like think back to like, even last year, injury marred season. When he's on the season, the guy is just an elite producer. But yeah, no, I agree. Kind of one of the questions I get asked most often as it pertains to fantasy is like, yeah, can you give me just general advice? My general advice to anyone is just to be flexible, to not be stubborn. Like, like I think you made a great point, Kyle, in that uh, there's no, you know right recipe to nothing's going to guarantee you success. Uh, I think just being able to adapt, kind of being able to recognize, you know, Hey, a bunch of running backs are going here. So there's a lot of great wide receivers left or conversely, if the opposite happens, you know, there's a lot of value in taking running backs because people are sort of taking a contrarian uh, 
you know, uh, strategy. So, yeah, I just think being flexible, being able to sort of recognize what's happening, being able to not not marrying yourself to players. Like, I, I, do, I don't think there's anything wrong with reaching on a guy um, if you really like him. Like, I, I obviously am reaching on Kyle Pitts in a lot of drafts. But at the same time, you know, like not doing it to the point where it's a detriment. I, I was in a draft the other day where someone took um, Josh Allen third overall and – to me, that's, you know, just too too big of a reach there. You're just missing out, and that roster is going to just lack depth no matter how much you hit on later round picks, in my opinion. So, yeah, just sort of uh, being able to adapt, being able to uh, kind of recognize, you know, ha- having a lot of different plans, I think, is uh, just generally good advice as far as approaching fantasy one guy i would be remiss if i didn't mention to you both curious to get your take on him kyle but i absolutely love this year we've been talking about buffalo a lot i love gabriel davis i know he's a very popular name in the fantasy community also very uh polarizing figure you have some hardcore fantasy players who absolutely love the guy you have a sort of faction of people that think he's being drafted two rounds too high you can count me personally as a big believer in Gabe Davis for touchdown game in the playoffs. If you guys recall last season, this guy to me just possesses all the elite tools. He's also their best uh, run blocking wide receiver. So he is going to be on the field every single snap. I think he'll lead that offense besides Josh Allen in snaps as well, especially at the receiver position. Josh Allen just feels so comfortable with him in the red zone. Inexplicable that he wasn't starting last year over Manny Sanders and guys like Cole Beasley. I think that this year, I I honestly feel more comfortable. I'm not saying I would take him over Stephon Diggs, but the fact that you can get Gabriel Davis in the fourth round, Stephon Diggs is going as high as the late first round. I am so much more comfortable taking Gabe Davis in the fourth round than I am Diggs late in the first round, who I think is a fine pick. I think he's got a very high floor. Uh, You know, uh, even though it was a down year last year, still had close to 100 catches, well over a thousand yards and is an elite producer going to continue to be. But just this Bills offense looks so explosive. Josh Allen coming into his prime. Gabe Davis, to me, is going to be the focal point in the red zone. I think he's a great bet to lead the NFL at the wide receiver position in touchdown receptions. I would be shocked if he does not score double-digit touchdowns this year. He might have that in three games if he continues that pace that we saw in the playoffs. But you can actually find him between 30-1 to and 50-1 to odds to lead the NFL at the receiver position in touchdowns. That's one of my favorite sprinkle sort of long shot bets uh, that I would encourage you guys to do a little light sprinkle on as well. Okay, before I before I hit on my feelings, Phil, what do you feel about him? Because I know you were you were all about him after that game. Well, I I was really happy because um, Prop Stars himself put us on Gabe Davis. I think it was over yards, and and that that thing won in the first quarter. I think so. I was I was pretty pumped up, and I was like, man, I, I hope we can save some of these for you know the next <laughs> time we bet him. You know, let's, let's roll those over. I I like Gabe Davis. Um, I'm a big Stephon Diggs fan, and that not. That's just from inexperience because, you know me, I like Stephon Diggs because of Madden. You know, the, the Vikings were my team. So, you know, I played with Stephon Diggs till he retired. Love the guy. Um, but, yeah, I think Gabe Davis is the next the next big weapon. And I think he was really underutilized last year because, you know, Cole Beasley's kind of kind of long in the tooth. He's he's an old man at this point, and he should probably just concentrate on putting out rap albums 
And I think Gabe Davis is the the new Jack in town. So what do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it doesn't really matter where you put this guy on the field. He can be successful. Uh, he runs, you know, all the routes in the route tree. Uh, he can get open. He He's a, a threat in the red zone. He's fast, you know, a little bit deceptively fast, I feel like. Um, and it helps having Stefan Diggs on the other side. You know what I mean? It helps yeah. having that. It helps having, you know, to most of the time put a spy on Josh Allen. Um, it, it doesn't allow you to, uh, you know, double up on some of these guys. It doesn't allow you to, you know, have a, a safety roaming. And, and it allows you to kind of run a lot of one-on-ones, especially guys who aren't number one. Um, so I have him currently at 70.3, you know, the 70th draft pick. I, I, I think it's. A really, I can see him going higher. There's a couple guys that I would take him um, over that are ahead of him. I, I would take him over Allen Robinson. I would take him over Hollywood Brown. Uh, personally, I, I really like Hollywood Brown, but I think once the once uh, DeAndre Hopkins gets back, I think he's really going to lose a lot of production because Kyler Murray knows what he lost when when DeAndre went down, and he. You know, he saw it between not only his production, but the team's production. I mean, they just stopped winning games. And I think he's going to force feed DeAndre Hopkins. And there probably isn't a better receiver that you can force feed because the guy will jump on top of three other guys and come down with the football every single time. So, you know, I, I, I like Gabe Davis or those guys. And there's, you know, like Adam Thielen. I don't know why he's ahead of him. I don't I don't like Adam Thielen at all this year. Um, and then there's a couple guys under him that I, I like more than him as well. I mean, I am a huge component of Amon Ross St. Brown this year. I, I think that that guy is the, is the best player on that entire offense. And I, I think he's, it doesn't matter. He's, I think he's a, a better Debo Samuel. And I think people are going to see that this year. He can do everything Debo can do. Um, and I think people are going to see that. So I have D, you know, Amon Ra over him, but I, I would probably take Gabe higher than, some of the guys that he's in front of, Jerry Judy, Chris Godwin, Thielen, uh, Michael Thomas, DJ Moore going up there. I, I like him more than that. So, I, I mean, I'm really okay with taking him. If if you if you're sitting there in the fifth round, I'm okay with that because this guy's going to get the production. Um, I have seen the people that 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 absolutely hate on him. They they thought he's a he's a, a one little hit wonder. Um, I think as football guys, we know that not to be true. Uh, I saw it, you know, as Eagles fans, I saw it with Travis Fulgham. I knew that it was not sustainable. You can kind of tell there's a difference watching this guy on the field and and the way he moves, the way he gets in and out of his routes and things like that compared to what Fulgham did in that in that little four-game stretch that he had. And I think that anybody who's really watching, I, I think it's it's if you have Gabe Davis in that, you know, fourth, fifth round, don't hesitate. I'm completely in with you there. I, I don't hesitate. Take him over some of these other guys that are going ahead of him. Go after him, get him, and then just enjoy the rest of the season that you get to watch because, like you said, that offense is going to hum. Josh Allen's a fucking stud, and that offense is going to hum, and he's going to be right as a focal point with it. So, so one, point, one final point I wanted to make on Gabe Davis, for me, it just checks every single box. So uh, I think he's an elite talent. You know, That's something that could be – debated what can't be debated is the fact that we know that is an elite offense josh allen is an elite quarterback they are going to throw more than any other team in the nfl there's going to be i think 175 targets 
vacated from last season, and that's even with Stephon Diggs being top three in the NFL in targets. So Diggs can still eat and still be one of the most productive wide receivers in the NFL, and this offense that's going to throw more than any offense in the NFL, in my opinion, be as any explosive as explosive as any offense in the NFL, can sustain two elite fantasy producers easily so the targets are there the offensive there he's playing with an elite quarterback i feel he's an elite talent uh the guy has just been so productive when he's been on the field uh if you look at like advanced metrics like yards per route run he has elite numbers so Mm. every checkbox as far as gabe davis is checked for me Uh, i'm comfortable taking over him he's a top 50 player as far as my board is concerned i know i'm probably uh way more bullish than even a lot of his supporters may be. So, yeah, I'm all in on the Gabe Davis train. I do want to bring up Amal Rossi Brown. You mentioned him, Kyle. Like him a lot as well. When I'm looking sort of at the differences, though, for me personally, I'm with you in the sense that Amal Rossi Brown, elite talent. I think the um, uh, the uh, uh, Debo uh, comparison is a very apt one as well. I just think he's handcuffed by that offense, by specifically Goff. Um, compared to compared to Josh Allen, obviously you can't compare Allen to um, Goff. But to me, you know, we're both looking at, a, as far as I'm concerned, both elite talents. Uh, the targets should be there for both of them. But kind of the the weighing thing that sort of gives the the nod to me personally for Gabe Davis is just having that confidence in Josh Allen to move the field just for that team, for him to throw 45 plus touchdowns this season where I actually love Detroit's offense. If they had a viable quarterback, I think this offense could be elite. The offensive line is phenomenal. They have a lot of talent at wide receiver. Obviously we're talking Amal Rossi Brown uh, drafting Jamison Williams in the first round. They brought a DJ Chark, who was always a talented wide receiver from Jacksonville. You have a talented move tight end and TJ Hawkinson and a guy. I also wanted to bring up another Philly guy. One of my absolute favorite players in this year's class. I have him eighth overall on my big board. In my opinion, he's the number one running back as far as dynasty rankings are concerned. That's DeAndre Swift. I think DeAndre Swift is primed for an absolutely massive season. To me, he's Christian McCaffrey without all the injury history and without all the tread on his tires. This guy is an elite wide receiver or or running back or, you know, receiving running back, uh, just so fluid out of the backfield able to run routes that are reminiscent of Christian McCaffrey, doesn't have all the miles, doesn't have all the tread, has an elite offensive line, has elite weapons around him. You look at the advanced metrics on him last year, yards per route run, even his red zone uh, efficiency all jumped off the page. I think DeAndre Swift, I'm comfortable drafting him in the first round. He and I've been talking how I'm just so wide receiver heavy. He is one guy that because he kind of is a wide receiver at the running back position. I think he's going to have 100 receptions potentially. I love DeAndre Swift. Curious to get both of your guys' take on him. Yeah, I love him. And and I think, um, you know, when you're looking at that, I I think, you know, as a Lions overall, I think the biggest thing, golf is certainly not Josh Allen. He's never been Josh Allen, never be Josh Allen, uh, not even close to comparison. Uh, One thing that I think is going to help them as a whole is I don't think Dan Campbell and company are going to ask Jared Goff to do 
what Sean McVay wanted Jared Goff to do. Um, they're just they're not the same type of offense. This is going to be a short, you know, kind of inch your way down the field, you know, cut it, cut it, cut it type offense, and not a hey, listen, we're going to go, you know, a, a forty yard out here to cup, put it on the fucking money, Matt Stafford, who can do that. I mean, golf is just isn't that you know type of way. Um, you know, uh, DeAndre Swift, Swift right now is has a you know, ADP of 9.8. So he's right towards the end of that round. Um, I feel comfortable taking him in that top five. Uh, there's guys in the top five that I, I wouldn't touch. They have him right behind Nick Chubb. I mean, most people play PPR. If you're playing PPR, I, I there's no way I'm taking Nick Chubb over DeAndre Swift. Um, I, I'm not taking Dalvin Cook over DeAndre Swift either. I mean, you're, 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 it's scary taking Christian McCaffrey, but, you know, I think those are the top four guys, right? You have Jonathan Taylor, McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, and DeAndre Swift. I think any way you want to shake them, any way you rattle up that Yahtzee cup and drop them the fuck out, I'm fine with taking them that way. I, I have no issues at all. Um, I, I I think the guy's going to be stud as well. I, I don't. I if if you can get him anywhere in the first round, I think you you got your three down bell cow back, and I I you're happy with it. You're absolutely happy with it. But he's a guy, as it shows that has fallen because the Lions as a whole aren't looked at as as fantasy relevant type players. You know what I mean? I Amon Ra was a, an absolute stud in the home stretch last year, helped me win a league and he's going, you know, 80s. You know what I mean? And and that's a type of of offense that is going to improve a better offensive line. There's more time for golf. There's more, you know, gadget plays that you're able to run with Amon Ra and, and and Swift takes another step forward and and you get DJ Chark out there who's a deep threat that kind of can take the top off that a little bit. You get uh uh the the rookie in there who's a blazer who can take the top off that, you know, these guys can run routes, they can move. I, I think that anywhere on this offense that you can and, and their defense isn't that good. So they're going to be playing a lot of high-scoring games or at least attempting to stick with teams. So, you know, just as we kind of alluded to before, anytime you can, you know, with the Falcons, anytime you can get kind of behind one of those teams, it for fantasy purposes, it's fantastic. Now, if you're a fan, it sucks. <laughs> but if you can get behind them in fantasy, it's it's fantastic. And I, I think that anybody on this offense right now, TJ Hawkinson's one of the guys that I think is going to take a big step forward as well. Um, not as much in the in the yardage case, but I think he's going to be huge in the red zone. He's a big target. He's great hands can 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 get up a little bit. So I I, I really like him as well. So I, I think I I love where you're at with DeAndre Swift, and and I know Phil's a, a Lions fan. Where our other buddy uh, John Highslop is a is a is a big old fan of the Lions. He's number one fan right now. So I, I know this is really music to his ears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we had Slop on uh, a couple weeks ago. He wears a Detroit Lions shirt. So we all felt right at home. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're on the Lions over. I think it was six and a half when we grabbed it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm a big, big Lions fan. So I, I love hearing you talk positive about Mr. Swift. I, I loved what I saw last year until he shut it down uh, with like three weeks ago. That was kind of mysterious, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big Swift fan. So if you're telling me that we should draft him early, I'm going to listen to you rather than listen to me because I'm bad at it. You're, you're my guy. 
Well, shout out to Slop. That guy's awesome. Uh, I can't wait to go back and watch your guys' episode with him. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I just want to point out one more thing. I, I do love Amon Ross St. Brown, Kyle, and I, I believe you know this better than me. I think it was over the last six games of the season. He was a top five wide receiver. So saw some elite production from him as a rookie in a Detroit Lions offense. Well, I think DeAndre Swift was inactive for a lot of those games as well. So the focal point the only of an offense that was missing, yeah, any sort of uh, complimentary talent around him. Hawkinson was also shut down. So uh, very, very encouraged by Amon Ross St. Brown. Even though I'm slightly higher on Gabe Davis, I have Amon Ross St. Brown ranked higher than a lot of guys who, uh, as far as the consensus rankings are concerned, uh, are ranked in front of him. So absolutely with you on Amara St. Brown. Love him as well. Second year emerging. Checks all the boxes. Just wish we had a little bit of an upgrade at the quarterback position. Kind of the only thing uh, separating him from me. But uh, yeah, love the guy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Awesome. Yeah. I wanted to pick your brain about a couple of props. I, I feel like, you know, our listeners, they, they're 45 minutes in. I want to give them some bets. There was a couple that, that I liked, and I'm interested on your take, and then I would love to hear some that maybe you have picked out. Uh, but Kyle and I, on, on the last couple shows, we talked about uh, the Raiders, and we were both really, really high on Hunter Renfro, and we liked his, his yardage, the over 800 and a half, and then we were also on Darren Waller over 71 and a half receptions. So I was just kind of curious if you, uh, if you would play those or fade them or what your thoughts would be. Yeah, so I, I do a uh, big believer in the Las Vegas offense. I think Carr is a very underrated quarterback. I think he's primed for a truly, uh, yeah, break. I mean, breakout. He's already been, you know, a top five MVP candidate. So I don't think breakout is the right, correct terminology. But uh, I think he's primed for a career season. Obviously, adding a guy like Devontae Adams, who is inarguably one of the three best wide receivers in the NFL, one of the greatest wide receivers in NFL history, if you ask me, to this offense in his prime. Obviously, they have a connection having played in college. I don't think you're going to miss a beat. 
there. I think this offense is going to be absolutely explosive as well. I do think the Raiders are going to be competitive this year. I think that's reflected in their win total. That division is just going to be incredible to watch. We're looking at four elite teams in one division. I don't think I've ever seen something like this before. I could see any of these teams being in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think they're all that good. Uh, I'm just blown away. I cannot wait to watch the AFC West. I love me some Hunter Renfro. However, I hate to be any sort of bearer of bad news. I do think we're going to see a drop-off in production this season, largely because of the target share that Devontae Adams is going to command in that offense. We saw Renfro, who played very well last season, operate as the 1A and 1B in that Las Vegas offense for the majority of the season as Darren Waller was banged up and then even ineffective at times, I think played by injuries through most of the year. And Renfro was incredible. Like as far as real life football is concerned, I think this guy is an elite NFL player. I think he's one of these guys. Devontae Smith would be an example as far as a guy who's better in real life than his maybe fantasy or statistical um, output would suggest. Like, I just think you have a guy like Hunter Renfro. He's just doing everything correct. You know, he's going to just be in the right spots, uh, never miss an assignment, safety blanket car, trust him so much, has as sure of hands as any player in the NFL, uh, just an absolutely phenomenal route runner, just able to get open at will. So I'm not necessarily, this is not a reflection on Renfro. I think Renfro is as good as pretty much any slot receiver, pure slot receiver in the NFL is concerned. I just think that Devontae Adams is going to come in and have command such a large target share, coupled with the fact that we're going to see a healthy Darren Waller in that offense. So I think the offense is going to be unstoppable at times. I think there's, I think Carr's a sneaky bet to lead the NFL in uh, passing yards this season. I like that bet a lot as a sprinkle, something I privately made. But uh, just as far as Renfro is concerned, I, I just think it's going to require a Waller or a Devontae Adams injury for him to eclipse last year's numbers. So while I love the real-life impact and I just think he's absolutely outstanding, um, I just think that it would re- require – sort of, uh, yeah, an injury for him to sort of uh, outproduce what he did last season. But, uh, yeah, I love the guy. All right, so those are losers. Why don't you give us some winners? Let's uh, <laughs> let's get some better I picks. I losers. I mean, he's he's high on Waller. Now, I, I just want to – before we go to the winners that, that you're inevitably going to, to throw some winners out for us, I know that for a fact. Here's my, my one question to you because this is kind of uh, – when we talked about it and we made this bet, this is kind of where my head was at. Uh, originally, I was in the exact same area as you. Well, you got Devontae Adams coming out there now. Big cut his, cut his production in half because Devontae Adams is, you know, like you said, he's one of the top three wide receivers in football. He's going to go down as one of the greatest ever. That's a guy that demands the football. It's He's a guy that you want to get the football to. And he has a relationship with Carr that goes back years. You know, everything is, you know, all the boxes are checked there, as, as you love to put it. Here's my issue. Remember earlier in the year when the Raiders were uh, throwing out Josh Jacobs a lot 
in the preseason. There was some trade rumors. There was some talks that he might not be the long-term deal. I believe personally that this team is going to, as we saw with, with Chucky as the head coach and, and we saw with, with what this team was, they were very run based. They were a run first team. Uh, it kind of mirrored kind of what the Titans do uh, with, with Tannehill. It was, it was less about letting Derek Carr, let it fly and more about, Hey, let's, you know, work the clock, move the ball methodically. I don't believe that's going to be the offensive way. And I think by trading for Devontae Adams, that was your first statement. I think your second statement that you're not going to be a run first team anymore was Jacobs get out there. Hey, this guy's on the block. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, we'll, we'll take offers, but we're not sure. We, we're happy with him. I think that was number two. Um, I think number three uh, is the fact that you have all of these guys healthy. Um the fourth sign for me was there was just an interview the other day. Um, not sure how long ago it was, but I just saw it the other day. Uh, it was with Derwin James, fantastic safety, fantastic defensive back for the Chargers, uh, top safety in the league. And he was talking about guys in the league that are – they asked him, you know, who are the guys who are difficult to cover? Who are these guys that you hate? One of the guys he brought up was Hunter Renfro, and he said, listen – he, and he put him up there with Justin Jefferson, and he put him up there with Devontae Adams. And and he was like, listen, don't sleep on this guy. He is legit. He moves you know, wherever he wants on the field. You cannot stay with him one-on-one. I believe that the combination of Devontae Adams getting double teamed, a lot of other heat going towards Darren Waller is going to open up uh, Hunter Renfro all game long. You're going to see the worst corner on him, whether it's a slot, whether it's an, uh, the secondary outside corner, uh, the AFC West as as competitive and as fun as it's going to be. N- not a lot of corners, you know, number two corners in that division blow me away. So I look at this and I go, they don't want to be a running team anymore. All of the attention's no longer on Renfro. It's now on other people. Here's where I think the, you know, maybe not as the target share doesn't stay as high. But the production numbers, the percentage numbers go high, and that's where I was. So do you think that there's a, a chance of that, or are you think I'm just completely offbeat here? No, no, I, I think that's totally a valid point. A couple of things I, I wanted to think uh, brought, bring up that also I think is in your guys' favor or backing Renfro's favor as well. I'm fully in agreement from an efficiency standpoint, uh, going to improve drastically, just like you said, less defensive attention going to benefit him greatly. He was already very efficient last year already with the amount of defensive attention he was receiving. It didn't take long for opposing defenses to figure out that he was, you know, cars 1A and 1B, especially when Waller was off the field. He was really the only viable receiving threat. We saw Zay Jones. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, it's not, I don't think he's on an NFL roster right now. Or if he is, but yeah, it's not a guy who's ever produced was the number two wide receiver for Las Vegas. So yeah, efficiency should jump off the page. I do think it's also worth noting. And I think you touched on this Kyle, that Josh McDaniels compared to Chucky is going to be, we're going to see a much more pass heavy offense, especially if you look at uh, historically, Josh McDaniels offenses always have elite slot production. So there are a lot of things to be bullish on Renfro 
I, I don't disagree with any of that. I think there are ranges of outcomes where he is able to eclipse last year's numbers, um, especially, you know, because this is the NFL, injuries are so common. Uh, I guess the, the deterrent for me, or biggest deterrent for me, is that when Darren Waller has been on the field, this guy is the most – he actually has more targets on a per-game basis uh, I believe in Travis Kelsey over his career hmm. car just locks on to Darren Waller feels so comfortable with him. And then you're bringing on uh, Devonte Adams um, who is just by default, by necessity, by the nature of being Devonte Adams going to command 150 targets. I just don't know if the balls, are, if there's going to be enough uh, targets to go around for Renfro for me to feel comfortable in because uh, when I'm projecting overs for the season, there needs to be a huge cushion for me compared to an under because there's so many things that can go wrong over the course of a season, whether it's ineffectiveness, whether it's injury, um, whether a player has you know overtaken you on the depth chart. There's just so many more outs for an under to take place that if I'm ever betting an over, especially with a season-long prop, I need to have such a significant edge where the cushion is just massive uh, for me to essentially to prognosticate or to feel comfortable projecting this guy to go over in the season long uh, category. So while it would not surprise me whatsoever for you guys to cash this bet, and I do think Renfro is going to be fantastic. There are, like I mentioned, ranges of outcomes where it wouldn't surprise me or I wouldn't shock me if he shatters last year's numbers. I think every point you brought up, absolutely valid but yeah, just I, I personally need just so I need so many uh, boxes checked to just go back to that uh, phrase again um, for my to feel comfortable betting on a season long over. And there's just a few things that are, in my opinion, kind of in the way of Renfro. But that being said, do not think it's a bad bet whatsoever. Would not surprise me one iota if he absolutely smashes um you know his projected totals and stuff so i like his yards actually more than his receiving uh receptions prop if i'm looking at hunter renfro i think he's got a better Good. shot at the yards than i do i think at 78 receptions which is i believe is what his uh reception total is at. yeah yeah i think we we locked in on the yards, so that's good that's yeah we locked yards him waller receptions yeah like that so... because like yeah like we mentioned darren waller have as targeted as any wide or tight end in the NFL since he's been in the league. So 145 yeah. in 2020, 145 targets. Nice. Maybe and they'll pay us twice. Of them. You know, maybe they'll pay us twice. Yeah. If he hits that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so what, what do you, what kind of plays do you have up your sleeve? Do you have anything that, that you can give out um, or that you could hint at? Or yeah, uh... I've got quite a few. I, I'd love to share with you guys. I'm nice. pulling up my big board now. Just I'll touch on some. That I absolutely love. Uh, one that I love this year is Mike Gusecki, fading Mike Gusecki in a variety of ways. Uh, I can kind of touch on that for one. Uh, new head coach in Miami. We saw Gusecki over the past sort of years have a breakout season, very uber-athletic tight end, move tight end. He functioned as their slot wide receiver, even though he was technically playing the tight end position. He was their slot wide receiver last season, and, uh, you know, had an excellent year by all accounts, especially at the tight end position. Uh, that is not going to be the case this year. We're going to see him playing a lot more in line and playing a lot more traditional tight end role, which he just does not have the skill set uh, to, in my opinion, be on the field 
uh, as much as he was last year, where he was just primarily uh, just operating as a receiver, you know, out of the tight end position. So you also are bringing in Tyreek Hill, who's going to be one of the 10 most targeted players in the NFL. You already have Jalen Waddle. Uh, they're bringing in, I think Chase Edmonds is going to be heavily featured. He's also an excellent pass catching running back as well. So for me, Mike Gusecki, we're already hearing reports out of Miami that the staff is unhappy with him, uh, not loving his progression as a blocker uh, as well. There were even some rumors that came out last week that he's potentially on the trade block. I even think if he were to leave Miami, just having to enter a whole new offense, you know, with one week to prepare before the regular season would be really difficult. So I absolutely love fading Mike Gusecki this season. I think that it would, it's a very, it would take a sort of an act of God for him to uh, eclipse last year's totals in this offense. So yeah, he's a fade. I absolutely love uh, just looking at my list here. I was in really early on fading Traylon Burks uh, again, Love the long-term outlook of Traylon Burks. I think he's going to eventually be or ha has the potential to be an elite wide receiver in that offense. But looking – we saw A.J. Brown in that offense who we're about to see a career year out of hopefully for our birds. But he was sort of limited or handicapped playing in that offense. They were a run first, run second, run third team throw later. I also have less and less confidence in Tannehill as a quarterback. I think we've seen somewhat of a regression there as well. Also the addition of Robert Woods. He's fourth on the depth chart as well as far as uh, Burks is concerned, playing behind guys like um, uh, uh, Westbrook Nikini, guys who are barely starting viable options in the NFL. Also played a ton in the preseason which is a terrible indication if they're planning on him being in two or three wide receiver sets, they would not be playing him deep into the fourth quarter and meeting this preseason games. So he is in the doghouse to begin this year on a run first offense and his receiving total came out at 800, which I think is just so lofty considering this is a going to be one of the most run heavy offenses in the NFL. He's fourth on the depth chart rookies, uh, typically struggle, especially in their rookie year, because of the fact we've seen so many phenomenal rookie wide receivers, Devontae Smith being an example, Odell Beckham being kind of one of the first guys to just come in and just explode out the gate. Uh, outside of like a dozen guys, that's very uncommon. Rookies typically take a while to adjust, especially in an NFL offense, especially sort of learning the nuances, blocking assignments. So, yeah, I just think Traylon Burks, plus there's been reports that he's had uh, diagnosed with asthma in the offseason, just a lot, a lot of things that are negative working against him. So Traylon Burks is a guy that I love fading as well. Uh, just looking here, other guys I like um, – Fading as far as season-long stuff is concerned. Bear with me for just one second as yeah, I, I mean, pull up this. Yeah, just it's it's tough to run fly routes when you're holding the inhaler. I, I think <laughs> that makes it makes it real tough to Absolutely. get your season over. Uh, a guy I like fading is Elijah Mitchell, running back from uh, San Francisco. I think a Kyle Shanahan offense. Obviously, Elijah Mitchell, excellent year. Last season as a rookie, you know, seemingly out of nowhere, I think to start the year, he was fourth on the depth chart, third on the depth chart at best. 
uh, yeah, played phenomenal. That's the sort of offensive system and line that any running back, if given the opportunity, in my opinion, can be effective in. They have a just log jam at the running back position as well. We also saw him kind of break down as the season progressed um, as well. So I just think there's durability concerns with Elijah Mitchell. I think there's a lot of other running backs, Jeff Wilson, uh, Trey Sermon still floating around that can step in. They obviously like to run Debo a lot in the red zone. So I actually like fading Elijah Mitchell's touchdown total in particular. Trey Lance is a mobile quarterback as well who's going to run in the red zone. So I think seven touchdowns is a really big ask for Elijah Mitchell. He only had five rushing touchdowns last year, and that was a breakout that saw pretty much everything go right for him uh, when you're looking at it as well. So, yeah, they also – Kittle's going to get his. Kittle's going to get his as well. The the Niners invested a third-round pick on a running back this season as well. Uh, So I just feel like they gave him already too many touches last season. They're going to scale it back this year. So, yeah, I just think seven is a big, big ask for Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Another guy I like fading a lot is Kadarius Toney on uh, the Giants. Uh, We just saw him have a roller coaster a rookie year. Came in and exploded, I think, in his second career start. Had 189 yards in that game against the Cowboys, I believe, in week five. And then he didn't eclipse 40 yards for the remainder of the season. Uh, just dealt with a variety of injuries. We're talking about a Daniel Jones-led offense as well, bringing in a new GM, new coach who has no attachment to Tony as well, who I've heard off the field has a variety of issues, was in and out of the doghouse last year, has off-the-field concerns as well. It was rumored the Giants were considering moving him in the offseason as well. They drafted a guy named Wendell Robinson, who has looked really good throughout preseason. And I just don't have confidence in Daniel Jones, as I previously has mentioned. This new co- coaching staff doesn't seem as high as him. And he had offensive knee surgery. So there's some just major durability issues. I think 775 yards is a massive, massive ask for Kadarius Tony. So he's a guy I really like fading a lot as well. I'll give you one more, too. I mean, I'm happy to give you more if you want. But uh, I'll give you one more <laughs> that I like a lot, fellas. I know I've been rambling here for a while. I just want yeah, to mention this going. one. I love it. And I like this guy a lot, by the way. I want to preface by saying I love this guy as a late-round flyer. He's someone I've been just to answer that sleeper question you had both asked. I I, I'm, I wanted to mention him for that reason. Julio Jones. I, I love Julio Jones this year as a late round sleeper. However, I love fading him under four and a half touchdowns, even when he was at peak powers and we're looking at Julio Jones, you know, over the course of his career in his prime, he only eclipsed eight touchdowns one time in his career. He's always been an elite yardage and uh, receptions guy. Uh, he has just six receiving touchdowns over his last 31 games played and he cannot stay healthy he has just chronic soft tissue injuries which is the last thing you want out of an aging wide receiver so i think even the most optimist optimist bullish people on julio uh, are not expecting him to play 15 or 16 games this year uh, so i just think that you know that's a pretty crowded wide receiver room mike evans chris godwin russell gage uh, you know, a couple tight ends came great buying for targets as well. I just think I like him a lot. I do think that it would not surprise me to see him have, you know, a, a much better season than we saw him in Tennessee or his injury riddled seasons in Miami or excuse me, in Atlanta towards the end of his career. But yeah, I just think five touchdowns is too big of an ask for Julio at this stage. Yeah, that one, that one feels uh, yeah. really good. 
Yeah, well, the only that's actually the only one uh, that scares the shit out of me, um, oh. just because of the Tom Brady effect. I mean, you see players go to Tom Brady and they have their best seasons ever. All of a sudden, they find the fountain of youth. I, I don't know if he has some untrackable steroids, and that's why he can play until he's eighty-three years old. I don't understand what the deal is, but there's a reason why guys go there, and he just makes them better. And I don't know if if he's you know, if it's just his ability of reading a defense and guys don't have to, you know, wide receivers don't have to run as hard or don't have to work as hard, but he always has everybody in the right position. He always has everybody ready. Uh, and with Godwin right now, I, I don't know his injury status, but I, I believe he's going to miss a couple games early on, right? Yeah, so he is. That, that – is the only one that scares me. I mean, I, I'm I'm rooting the shit out of it for for both of you guys to hit the shit out of that one. But that's the only one. The other ones, I'm I'm fucking all over. I love them. I love where you're at with them. Appreciate that, Kyle. So yeah, no, there, uh, there. Again, preface by saying there is a range of outcomes where Julio just goes bonkers, like you said. Playing with Tom Brady, you know, obviously is about as good as a. Uh, quarterback upgrade as you could hope for, especially with what Julio saw in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, who he previously had mentioned, in my opinion, is on the wrong end of things at the moment. So would not surprise me whatsoever if we see Julio, you know, sort of uh, regain the fountain of youth a little bit uh, in a revitalized offense uh, there. I just think uh, the red zone looks might not be there. And I just don't trust him basically to stay on the field enough to, uh, to get the touchdowns, but certainly, certainly possible. Um, that he does any other season long props that you guys have bet um, that you like a lot there was a there was a prop that that we put in I, I don't know maybe a month ago and it was Aaron Jones over rushing and receiving yards and I think it was at 1300 at that time uh, and that was mostly because you know Devante leaves so there's a lot of targets that go with him um, and he just seems to be the pass catching back so I, he in our mind figured to get a lot more of that target share um, out of the backfield. So that, that one felt good. Do, do you have any opinion there? I do. Yeah. So as far as um, Jones is concerned, I think he's probably, you know, forget the fact that he's a running back. He's the player or wide receiver that uh, or a player that Aaron Rodgers is most comfortable throwing with on that offense, uh, looking just across the board, trust him. He has a very versatile skill set. We saw last year uh, when Adams was off the field, Aaron Jones was the focal point of that passing offense. So we actually have um, some decent sized sample, actually, of what an Aaron Rodgers led offense without Devontae Adams looks like. And lo and behold, Aaron Jones is the focal point of that passing uh, offense. I think he had double digit targets in uh, multiple games where Adams was off the field. So, yeah, I like that a bit or excuse me, I like that quite a bit. Um, I do think Aaron Jones is going to be uh, very versatile. Wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if he flirts with 80 to 100 targets. So, yeah, I love the fact that you guys kind of looked at um, the mixture of running and receiving because his role firmly entrenched as obviously 1A to 1B with A.J. Dillon, also very high on A.J. Dillon, I want to add as well. Love that guy. I think he's in line to have a very good season as well but yeah i think this team is going to shift and we actually even saw it last year despite having Devontae adams this team ran the ball a ton another thing the packers do they play at the slowest pace 
in the NFL. And that is by design. That is not by accident. They run that play clock like it's nobody's business. And uh, Aaron Rodgers keeps other teams off the field and they purposely, um, yeah, just try to milk as much clock as possible and very effective for them. But as a result, um, yeah, they're just going to run the ball a ton and just focus on that short to intermediate, intermediate, um, you know, kind of target. So yeah, I like Aaron Jones, a lot to like out of Aaron Jones. So I like that one quite a bit guys. Nice. Kyle, did, do you have anything you remember from the, yeah, well, there's, there's two of them that I, that I really want your opinion on. Uh, number one was one that I'm really high on. Uh, I'm on the over when it comes to everything, Joe Burrow. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't care. I don't know if they're going to hit, but I, I fucking love that guy. Uh, I'm on over touchdowns, over yards, over everything. Um, I, I think that that that's going to be. Uh, I know that that we said that the Bills are probably going to be the most pass happy offense. Um, I think that this team's right behind them, and uh, you know when I look at that team, they heavily upgraded their offensive line. Uh, you know, there's not a ton of of you know favor at the tight end position, but when you have three or four guys. That at wide receiver that are studs, and you have Joe Mixon behind you. It's it's I mean it's a reminiscent LSU type offense that he had, and you know it doesn't matter what corner you go against. It doesn't matter you can't you can't just follow Jamar Chase around the whole day because your number two is not going to be able to stick with T Higgins or Tyler Boyd, and you know you're going to have to stay on one side. You're going to have to keep your corners. You're going to have to play you know zone, which he's going to tear you up man to man. Good luck. I mean. You know, you you try and play dime and bend back your defenders up into it. They're going to run Joe Mixon right up your, you know, right right up the alley all day long on you. And I think that this is going to be one of those uh, seasons that we saw a few years ago where Patty Mahomes was was in that fifty touchdown range. This is the type of offense that I see with that. So I'm heavy on all his overs. I just wanted to get your take on that. Yeah, of course. No, I, I love Joe Burrow. Uh, I think there's a lot to like. Also, wouldn't surprise me to see them pass a lot more than they did last year. Uh, a point that I think is really working in that his favor and uh, this play's favor is the fact that we saw Burrow recovered slowly from that ACL surgery. And we also saw Cincinnati be extraordinarily careful with him early in the year. Cincinnati was running the ball almost as much as our Eagles were in the second half of the season. They had one of the most skewed run to pass ratios in the NFL because they were very, very careful with bringing Burrow along. But now he's almost two years removed from that ACL surgery. And we often see with guys, they don't feel fully comfortable until that around that 18 month, 24 mark. So, and then we saw a shift in the second half of the season for Cincinnati, where they basically took the reins off and uh, took the training wheels off Joe Burrow and let him sling. And when we're looking at wide receiver groups, pass catching groups, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that this riches of talent is the best wide receiver group in the NFL. Jamar Chase, just absolutely insane rookie season, as explosive as any wide receiver, maybe in NFL history, certainly presently. Then T. Higgins, I'm extremely bullish on. I think he can support 
two wide receiver ones would not surprise me whatsoever if both Jamar Chase and T. Higgins end up as top 12 wide receivers for fantasy. Tyler Boyd also very underrated slot receiver, very sure-handed possession guy. So, yeah, safety blanket there. So I, I'm with you. I think that this offense is sort of, uh, um, yeah, on the cusp of exploding, and we did see a shift uh, philosophically where they started passing a lot more. If that carries over to this season, which it should, because the Bengals were hard to watch early in the year, and everybody who was watching was just pounding the table at Zach Taylor. Why are you not throwing more? You have these elite weapons. Burrow has just looked great. But, yeah, they were just so careful, treated him with kid gloves. And uh, finally, Zach Taylor listened and took the reins off. And what did we see? Cincinnati appeared in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, if if I'm coaching that team or, yeah, I, I basically think there's a great chance, even if we see a slight uptick in passing volume, which I think is certainly realistic considering how little they threw last year. Yeah, I like Burrow a ton and wouldn't surprise me to see him smash all his season long overs. So I like that quite a bit, Kyle. Good. Uh, the last one, uh, and this this is a little bit probably off the beaten path, but but Phil and I are really and have been really big on uh, on Baker Mayfield and these Carolina Panthers. Uh, we actually are are over on 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 Baker as well. Um, I know you're a big unders guy as as well as Phil. Uh, his his most famous saying he's ever said to me was, "I love the under because it's good until it isn't." <laughs> it's always good till it's not. Oh, that brings a, yep. like a tear to my eye. I'm so happy yep. to hear you say that. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's one thing that's really stuck with me. But we are both very high on what we believe can can come from this Carolina Panthers offense with Baker, uh, a a you know quote unquote pissed you know vengeful Baker Mayfield uh, at the helm and. We, I think we're a little bit higher on Matt Rule, you know, being college football fans as well than, than some guy. of the other guys. Temple guy, yeah, of course, yeah, temple yeah. guy. But, but just in general, as college fans, I think we we like him more than some some other people. Uh, I know, I know, Slop just shit on on uh, on on Matt Rule, and uh, but but we're we we like the guy. We we think he's a good coach, and 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 one thing that we're really really big on is is Baker's overs this year. Uh, do you have any? words of encouragement for us on these bets. <laughs> yeah. So I I'm interested in Baker um, for a number of reasons, obviously being uh, I am so glad I, I do believe Sam Donald's suffered an injury, but the fact that it took Baker as long as it did for him to be announced as the starter, I thought was ridiculous. I think that, you know, regardless of your feelings on Baker uh, compared to Sam Darnold, uh, he's had a much, much better career. We're gonna, I'm excited to see week one. We get the revenge narrative right up front uh, versus the Browns in week one. And, yeah, I do think that offense has some weapons. Obviously, hopefully you're getting a fully healthy Christian McCaffrey. I love DJ Moore. This guy uh, is uh, off to one of the most – the best starts from a receptions and yardage standpoint of any wide receiver in NFL history, actually. Um, so yeah, the guy has been just uber productive and he's done that with Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. So Baker Mayfield is going to be by far the best, uh, quarterback that DJ Moore has gotten to play with. So I'm expecting big things out of DJ Moore. And yeah, I do think that there is some benefit there, 
um, to the to the team not necessarily being competitive where it could lead to a lot of positive game scripts because ultimately what we're looking for in fantasy and season-long props, you know, it doesn't matter the outcome of the game or Carolina can have a terrible season and Baker can still mop up in garbage time or, you know, throw for plenty of yards. Dak and, does uh, it every year. Dak does it every year, sure. So, yeah, I, I think that there, you know, is some viability in that I haven't personally – uh, sort of examine Baker super thoroughly to the point where I'm comfortable kind of telling you guys I have a strong take one way or the other, but I certainly see some merit in it. Yeah, we just thought that the defense stinks so bad that Carolina will be playing from behind a lot. And, you know, so we just figure that that equates to pass yards, pass touchdowns, sure, probably pass yeah. interceptions too. So yeah. who knows? Over everything. A, a lot of a lot of volume, which is what yeah, we look for. And anything. For sure. that's that's what I'm banking on anytime I'm playing overs, anytime uh yeah, I'm looking to open a position. Volume is king. That's the one thing you can count on. And yeah, if the volume is there, then uh, certainly um a window for you know a lot of statistical output. Awesome. Alex, um before we let you go, you've given us more than we deserve. We really appreciate you coming on. Where can our folks find you? How do they how do they get your stuff? So yeah, you can find me. Uh, I'm exclusive with CBS Sportsline. Uh, I currently am writing a MLB article that comes out Monday through Friday. Uh, I'll be transitioning uh, in just about a week here to just uh, complete NFL coverage. We'll also be writing. Uh, numerous articles. You can also find me uh, on the Sportsline streams pretty much Monday through Sunday as well. So, yeah, if you just search CBS Sportsline both on YouTube or you download their app, uh, you will find no shortage of my content. Awesome. Awesome. And you are the most um, receptive guy on Twitter that I've ever met. In fact, that's why I'm here in this chair like talking to you is because it was during an Ask Me Anything and I popped a question in there, and we started talking, and now now you're my boss, and that's pretty cool. So It is cool. So I remember the question very well, actually, yeah. and uh, I'm so happy. I just want to point out real quick that uh, I believe that Phil, and shout out to Steve as well, are the best motorsport handicappers that exists on the face of the planet. It has been such a privilege and an honor for me getting to work with you, Phil, and I'm so happy that we have this great relationship, and I know everyone else who has had the pleasure of getting to uh, both benefit from your bets, tail your picks, uh, feels the same way. So nothing but love and uh, respect for me to you, Phil. And it was also a pleasure to meet you and get to chat with you as well, Kyle. Yes, absolutely. Listen, the pleasure's mine. You know, I, anytime I, I find somebody that I can really dig into fantasy with is, is fantastic. So, uh, you know, the, the pleasure's absolutely mine. And I hope that this is not going to be the last time we have you on. I mean, I know it's it's tough to, to wrangle you in. You're a very busy man, but but hopefully we can get you on, you know, as, as, as many times as you'll come, honestly. I would love to come on again soon, guys. So awesome. And the happen. next time you're in town, cheese steaks on us. That's for sure. All right. so, can't wait. Oh, yeah. All right, so this has been Out of Bounds. We've been talking fantasy. Alex, thank you very much. Kyle? Adios, muchachos. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.